Hey guys and welcome to another episode of 15 Minute Medicine where we try and make medicine as simple as possible but not simpler than that. I'm joined by my co-host Farai. How things been going man? What's been on your mind? Um, right now currently what's actually stressing me out quite a lot is the internship application process. I don't know how you're feeling but I am not quite sure about what's going to happen. Tell me about it bro. I think... Um Every time I think about it, I'm just like, am I going to get a job next year? If I don't, I guess I'm going to have to sell my kidney to make some money. But yeah, speaking of kidneys, today we're going to be talking about acute kidney injury. So Farai, since you recently went through internal medicine, you're basically a physician now. So I think you can give us a definition of what acute kidney injury is. We know that the kidney is in charge of different functions in the body, which include elimination of waste products such as urea and creatinine as well as regulation of your extracellular volume and electrolytes. Therefore, acute kidney injury can be seen as a sudden deterioration in these functions. So what's actually the difference between acute renal failure and acute kidney injury? So nowadays, basically, FOSA, they are using the term acute kidney injury because this takes into account that you don't necessarily have to have overt organ failure to have a significant impact on morbidity and mortality in one's life. So that's why it's better to use the term acute kidney injury as an entity as opposed to saying acute renal failure. If you've listened to any of our previous episodes, I'm sure you know what's coming next, an approach. So when one approaches acute kidney injury, you can break it down into pre-renal causes, intra-renal causes and post-renal causes. Pre-renal causes are due to impaired renal perfusion, so the kidneys are just not getting enough volume. This can be due to inadequate intake, so you're dehydrated. So you could also be losing a lot of fluid from your gut, so vomiting or diarrhea. You could lose volume cutaneously, such as Burns or Steven Johnson syndrome, or obviously through hemorrhage. It can also be as a result of inadequate cardiac output. This can be caused by heart failure, pulmonary embolism, go check out our episode, myocardial infarction, or severe valvular disease. Acute kidney injury from pre-renal causes could also be caused by causes of systemic vasodilation. So this can be in septic shock or anaphylaxis. If these pre-renal causes of acute kidney injury are prolonged, they can lead to ischemia. This ischemia leads to acute tubular necrosis, which is an important cause of intrarenal acute kidney injury. And that brings us to intrarenal causes. As I just mentioned, Acute tubular necrosis is the commonest form, and it can be broadly broken down into cytotoxic and ischemic causes. Ischemic causes, as I mentioned above, are just when pre-renal causes are prolonged and they lead to ischemia. Cytotoxic causes are quite long, but some examples include snake bites, myoglobinemia, hemoglobinemia, and drugs such as aminoglycosides, platinum derivatives, and lithium. Another cause of intrarenal acute kidney injury is glomerulonephritis and its various causes. This can include post-streptococcal glomerulonephritis as well as membranoproliferative glomerulonephritis and glomerulonephritis, such a tough word, <laughs> as a result of multisystem systemic disorders such as lupus. It is important to note that a lot of these causes can actually progress to chronic kidney disease. And glomerulonephritis typically presents with a nephritic syndrome with hematuria proteinuria, which could also be coupled with hypertension and edema. Now moving on to post-renal causes. 
This can be due to any obstruction anywhere from the renal pelvis to the urethral orifice and can be further classified into obstructions that are in the lumen or in the wall or outside the wall. Starting with obstruction in the lumen, this could be calculi, a blood clot, sloughed papilla. It could also be due to neoplasm within the renal pelvis, the ureter or the bladder. Examples of an obstruction due to wall issues could be ureteric or urethral strictures as well as a neuropathic bladder. Obstruction outside the wall could be caused by retroperitoneal tumors, colon or cervical cancer. It can also be caused by prostatic hyperplasia, which is quite common in elderly men. And let's not forget iatrogenic ligation. This is usually caused by maybe not, the not-so-careful surgeon who's very quick to just ligate anything he sees inside and wants to cut it all out. It's important to note that the approaches we give are by no means comprehensive. It is just meant to stimulate a structured way of thinking. If also, I think it's pretty obvious that we're not going to be having quite a comprehensive list, or else the people wouldn't be listening to a podcast called 15-Minute Medicine. Besides, I think that's more than enough to get you through a ward round unscathed. Ish, alright, let me listen to my boss before I get fired. So our case is a 38-year-old female who's newly diagnosed HIV about a month prior with a CD4 count of 150 and recently started on highly active antiretroviral therapy. She presents with a six-day history of dysphagia and adenophagia. She's unable to keep any solids or liquids down and is constantly regurgitating and vomiting. She has no significant medical or family history. On examination, she had generalized lymphadenopathy and was clinically dehydrated with dry lips and mucous membranes, decreased skin turgor, and sunken eyes. She looked unwell and was wasted. She had a weak and thready pulse, but the rest of her systemic examination was normal. Blood investigations showed a high sodium of 153, normal potassium, but a raised urea of 23.3 and creatinine of 203. This creatinine was much higher than the baseline of 78, which was done when she started her ART. Gastroscopy revealed esophageal candidiasis, which is the cause of her dysphagia. This is a classic example of pre-renal acute kidney injury. There is a history of inadequate fluid intake as well as GI losses with the vomiting. One thing to note is that many patients who present with acute kidney injury typically have other illnesses and problems that need to be dealt with. It also highlights why, in an acutely ill patient, a baseline UNE is not just for fun. It acts as a reference point if further during their hospital stay they develop an acute kidney injury, which can be accurately diagnosed, or if they had already presented with an acute kidney injury, depending on how late they presented with their acute illness. It also has implications for drug doses and elimination. For the pathophysiology of acute kidney injury, it is very dependent on the underlying cause. If has already started speaking about it, I'm just going to go into more detail. So for pre-renal failure, there's decreased renal perfusion, which leads to a decreased glomerular filtration rate. This leads to ischemia. If the ischemia is ongoing, lasting for a few days or weeks, or even initially there's a pro-inflammatory response where there's release of cytokines, oxygen-free radicals, as well as activation of leukocytes, as well as coagulation pathways. If this is not stopped and the glomerular filtration rate remains low for a few days or even weeks, this will then lead to acute tubular necrosis. If this process is stopped and fluid balance is maintained or restored rather, 
then there's going to be regeneration of the tubular interstitial cells and a polyuric phase will follow. Why you get a tubular necrosis and not necrosis of other cells is because the tubular cells have a high metabolic demand. Therefore, if there's limited blood supply, this leads to damage. Damaged tubular cells slough off into the lumen as obstructive costs and this will further hamper your glomerular filtration rate. Clinical presentation of acute kidney injury is naturally based on its etiology, whether it is pre-renal, intra or post-renal. An example of pre-renal could be a patient who presented with signs and symptoms of heart failure. Intra-renal could be a patient who, if it's glomerular, presented with a nephritic syndrome as described earlier, or if they have a history of drug or toxin ingestion. Post-renal could present with flank pain and hematuria if it's due to stones. Otherwise, they can typically present with obstructive urinary symptoms. I'm just going to give a short differential on things that can alter urea and creatinine concentration, but the kidneys are otherwise normal. So this can be in patients with high muscle mass, so bodybuilders. So don't diagnose Farai with acute kidney injury, he's just massive. A lot of red meat ingestion. And medications such as steroids, tetracyclines, as well as cimetidine and trimethoprim can also alter urea and creatinine concentrations. There are many risk factors for acute kidney injury, and here are a few. Age, specifically being over 65, a history of acute kidney injury, chronic kidney disease, urological history of things such as stones, heart failure, diabetes, sepsis, hypovolemia, nephrotoxic drug use, and contrast agents. We now move on to the part of investigations for acute kidney injury. It's important that we differentiate between diagnosing acute kidney injury as well as actually finding the cause of the acute kidney injury and lastly also defining the severity of acute kidney injury when we're doing investigations. So first of all, just to rehash the definition of acute kidney injury, we say that it's a sudden decline in kidney function over hours or days and we classify using the KDIGO criteria. With this dysregulation in kidney function, we say that the things that are affected are your fluid balance, acid-based homeostasis, and your electrolytes. So to define acute kidney injury, there has to be any one of the following. Either there is an increase in the serum creatinine by more than 26.5 micromoles per litre within 48 hours, or there is an increase in serum creatinine by more than 1.5 times the baseline within 7 days. Alternatively, you can also use urine output where if you have less than 0.5 milliliters per kg per hour for 6 hours, this also marks acute kidney injury. Earlier I also mentioned that acute kidney injury is normally in the context of another illness. Therefore, you'd only need further investigations if you're still uncertain of the cause. Further investigations include things such as a vasculitis screen, which can include your ANA or ANCA. You can do complement, immunoglobulins, serum electrophoresis, an HIV test, other virology tests such as hepatitis B and C, kidney, ureter, bladder, ultrasound, and you obviously can't forget about things like your urine dipsticks and your urine microscopy and culture. But at the end of the day, you should let your clinical judgment guide the test that you do. Initial management of acute kidney injury involves stopping or avoiding nephrotoxic drugs. If it's impossible to completely get rid of the nephrotoxic drugs, then you may need to just dose adjust these. Next, you're going to need to make sure that you maintain your fluid balance. If the patient is fluid overloaded, 
you're going to need to diurese them with furosemide. And if they are dehydrated, then you're going to need to give them IV fluids. What's also important is to correct severe acidosis with bicarbonate administration, although this has been known to be quite controversial. Another derangement in acute kidney injury involves hyperkalemia, and this will also need correction. The last thing in your initial management is to first find the cause of the acute kidney injury and then treat it suitably. Ultimately, some patients' conditions may be so severe that they may be needing renal replacement therapy. There are certain indications for renal replacement therapy, and these include the following. Refractory pulmonary edema, persistent hyperkalemia where the potassium is more than 7 millimoles per liter, severe metabolic acidosis where a pH is less than 7.2 or there's a base excess of less than 10, uremic complications such as encephalopathy or a uremic pericarditis. Then also if you have things such as a drug overdose and you can remember the acronym BLAST and this stands for barbiturates, lithium, alcohol including ethylene glycol, salicylates and theophylline. This list of indications for dialysis was put together by the Oxford Handbook of Clinical Medicine so you can just reference this and what's really important is that you discuss with a nephrologist early. I think what's very important is as much as we like talking about the treatment of things we always need to make sure that we deal with the prevention so that we don't even have to treat these patients. So I think um, I really struggled actually to find the correct uh, prevention for acute kidney injury. And I think it's more of a practical thing. And I'm going to get DeForsa to help me with it. So if we start off by identifying high-risk populations, and this includes especially the elderly, you're going to want to reduce polypharmacy. And specifically, you're going to want to avoid nephrotoxic drugs such as your aminoglycosides. What else is nephrotoxic? One should also be wary of NSAIDs and when you send to radiologists, uh, contrast media. Um, other things, obviously, you want to ensure that patients are not dehydrated. And again, in a high-risk population such as the elderly, this is very common. So you want to maintain uv uvolemia in these patients. Well, ultimately, um, it would be great if you could prevent patients from getting sick at all. Because, I mean, acute kidney injury is always in the presence of an underlying illness or usually in the presence of an underlying illness. So if you don't want to get that pneumonia, just don't get it. Or that sepsis, just stay healthy and we'll all be happy. That wraps up another episode of 15 Minute Medicine. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really are trying our best to make something that's good enough for everyone to learn from. Make sure you like and comment on our Facebook and Instagram pages on any suggestions or comments you may have about our episodes. And we'll continue to try and make medicine as simple as possible. But not simpler than that. What are you doing? <laughs>